You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Kindling Helpline is brought to you by 136, National Home Doctor Service. 136 is Australia's largest network of home visiting doctors. So if you need urgent medical care but your GP is closed, make the call to 136. Do you have a question for our Mothercraft nurse, Chris Minogue? She's in the studio now. She's here just for you. And if you've ever listened in before, you know how she is very specific to your actual experience as a family and she can guide you on ways to perhaps help your baby settle, start solids, any number of things. So if you'd like, give us a call. The number's 1-800-543-772. You can also text us on 0437-665-200. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Now, we have um, Katie on the phone now, and Katie actually left us a message last week. She is the mum whose seven-month-old was feeding through the night, um, and we were helping with solids. But yep. Katie understands. You know, she wants a little bit more specific because she specific advice because she has a few other things after listening to your advice, Chris. So Katie, do you want to tell Chris what's going on now? Yeah, sure. Um, so yes, I, I have tried to incorporate some of your feedback and a lot of it has helped, particularly the um, trying to settle without milk overnight every second. So that has been great. The challenge I have though is with food. She just has no interest. So um, I am feeding her purees and trying all sorts of things, but she just closes her mouth, pushes her she? head back, um, just blows raspberries at me. <laughs> um, I'll try and distract her. I'll try and wait for her to open her mouth. Just nothing seems to work. Okay. Um, if she feeds my food, she grabs it and puts Perfect. it in her mouth. Perfect. Uh, That's what she wants. I don't know that she's swallowing anything. Well, it's really deceptive because you sort of have to pick them up at the end of the moment and see how much is in the high chair and how much is on the floor. There's a lot in the high chair. (laughs) Okay, so we're not eating too much. But over the days and as she gets better at it, you'll see Mm. less and less in the high chair. So um, we we talked about the timing last week um, when you wrote in. So do you think the timing suits her generally? Uh, As in her breakfast is an hour after she wakes up. um, Yeah, look, since hearing um, your advice, I have reversed. So I try food first first and then milk. Um, That definitely, uh, I keep her attention a bit longer than I was otherwise. So that helps. Um, Yeah, she just seems to be just wanting milk only. She's fully breastfed and she just... Yeah, she's <laughs> fully, good. She's fully attached she in every sense of the word. So yeah. what we're going to do now is we'll keep breakfast first, you know, breakfast yeah. first and then, then the milk feed after. So yeah. with breakfast, I think the other thing that we get confused on is how much is enough mm-hmm. for, for their age. So seven-month-olds, um, what sort of things would you give her for breakfast? Uh, I've tried... Uh, rice cereal, wheat bix, um, pureed vegetables. I've done beef bone broth. I've tried all right. sorts of things. Okay, let's just go to the basics. <laughs> so I would probably make up something of the consistency of porridge, you know, whether okay. it be wheat bix or porridge, but don't make a lot up. 
because yeah. she might just be an independent feeder and wants to do most of it with her hand. And mm. she'll regulate what she eats if we regulate where her day is at. So you know how we had that little rhythm and that pattern. So what we're saying to you is here's a meal, it's reasonable for your age and you can eat as much or as little of it as you need and then you'll get your milk feed and so forth and so on as the day goes on. So for breakfast, if she ate two tablespoons of porridge or Weet-Bix or something, then you're Mm. doing okay. Then if you have a piece of toast, cut it into three fingers and she's got avocado on them and she sucks and chews and spits, you're still doing okay. So it's about... Okay. How much is okay? And so would that that would be a breakfast? Attempt. That would be a breakfast. Okay, okay, that's a reasonable breakfast. Maybe okay. the next day she might have um, a hard boiled egg chopped up into pieces, and she's putting them in and out. But then mm. you might give her um, maybe some fresh fruit that you know she might eat, like some slithers of banana or something like that that you know she'll eat. Um, okay. That could be another breakfast. So. Uh- and if she, um, like, she loves banana, she sucks on it. As soon as a little bit comes out, she she, uh, she just spits it out, gags. Yeah. Um, so that will just stop yep. over time. That will. That's right. She'll gum it. Okay. She'll gum okay. it. Um, for, brec- for lunch, for seven-month-olds, I always give them finger food. So yep. I try and feed them a little bit at breakfast and at dinner, but I let them do the finger food. So things like you could try... Um, making an omelette if she has an egg, egg in the morning and breaking mm-hmm. it up and putting it on her tray top. Just a little omelette, like a two-egg omelette. And okay. you could put various things in the omelette. They do well with um, cucumber sticks, um, cheese sticks, uh, cherry tomatoes, and each child will be individual, so you just have mm-hmm. to watch their gag response in that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. even things like water-dissolvable things. So, you know, like a crusket. You know yes. those, yes. yeah, if you get a crusket and put cream cheese and a little bit of Vegemite and just snap it into four fingers and give them to them, they actually melt in her mouth and they let yeah. her negotiate how to do that suck and swallow. Okay. If she eats two-thirds of what you put down, she's doing That's all right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you. I'll, um, I'll give incorporate that a go. all of that and give that a go. Thank you so much, Chris. Brilliant. No problem, Good luck, Kate. Katie. Thank you. Bye. Bye. You're listening to Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue. She's here to take your calls. You can call us on 1-800-543-772. That's 1-800-KIDS-RADIO. Um, we've got an email now from Kajal, and we've got three questions here, Chris, so we'll take them one step at a time. Okay. Uh, Kajal has a six-month-old who uses a dummy to sleep. She's also only doing 30 to 40-minute naps in the daytime. Yep. Question one. How do I get her to consolidate her naps using a dummy? Yep. So this first one, the first thing you have to look at and what we'll have to assume is that she's in a normal six-month pattern. So a normal six-month pattern is that for about every two hours that they're awake, they need a sleep. So that would give her those three sleeps in the day that she's sort of wrote to us about. The first sleep... Um, you would want at least two 40-minute sleeps together. So that's 45 minutes. So we have to, in order to join them using the dummy, we go back and reset. So she's due to go to bed at 7.30 in the morning, so we might put her in a sleeping bag, dim the room, darken it a little bit, pop her down, give her a dummy, walk out. Nine times out of ten, babies will go to sleep doing that. Then when they wake up, they need to do two things. They need to be given some time to try and self-settle and then the dummy can come in as the comfort. 
So you hear her wake up, you give her a few minutes, she's either going to accelerate the crying and it's going to get more intense or she just whinges and it goes backwards and forwards for a few minutes. Got to leave that for a couple of minutes. And what we mean by a couple of minutes is really about the crime, but I would say maybe two to three minutes. And then if she isn't settling, you just go in, you put the dummy in and you walk back out again. So then you give her a few minutes to try and settle, you go back in, you put the dummy in and you walk back out. So that is an effective way of using the dummy as a tool to join those two sleep cycles together. Okay. So number two is, if I want her to sleep longer for her naps, do I leave her in a crib and give her back the dummy, pat, cuddle, leave for the room on repeat till she gets the message and goes down again? And then the question here is, could that take ages or might it not happen at all? It could take ages. And how you know you're doing the right thing is that each day that moves on, that length of the settling takes shorter and shorter and shorter. So I would give it about three to five days because it takes them about that long to learn something, about 15 experiences. The only thing I would change in that sequence that she specifically said there is I wouldn't pick her up quickly within that. So I would go in, maybe give her a dummy, give her a pat. But once you pick a six-month-old up, they almost look at the door as if to say, that's where I'm going. So the pickup would be my last step. So I wouldn't put it in the sequence, but it would be my last step. And the length of time we do it is usually around a half hour window. So, you know, sometimes it might take the half an hour, but then she might sleep for half an hour and then you move into the next cycle. Okay. Now I think this relates to this next question. Um, Three, even if I decide to take the dummy away, how long do I try the pat, leave, pat, leave sequence for nap times till I just give up and let her wake up? Because she may just cry for a full 20, 30 minutes and then her nap window is over anyway. That's right. I That's exactly that being so confusing. Yeah, and it's very frustrating because you mm. think you've done all this work but you haven't got anywhere. And I think the key to this is, is you're right, I've answered it by saying like a half hour window or thereabouts. But the trick is that over a number of days, over that three to five days, it has to be getting better to know you're on the right track. So if it's not getting better, we probably have to stop and take another approach to how to settle that baby. Okay, well, Kajal, I hope we've answered those questions. Why don't you try it out and... After you've worked out which approach you want, if you still need help, give us a call and then we can, again, Chris can be much more specific. And that number is, of course, 1-800-543-772 if you'd like to call in and ask Chris a question yourself. We have a text from Felicity Chris. She says, help, my beautiful, sweet two-year-old has discovered swear words. It's horrendous, but he thinks it's funny. It started after we had our second baby, so I'm guessing it might be a bit of attention-seeking, but I don't know how to stop him. I've tried ignoring him. I've tried reasoning with him. I've tried telling him it's naughty and it makes mummy sad when he does it, all to no avail. How can I explain to a two-year-old that it's really not acceptable language? I know he thinks he's just being cheeky and doesn't understand what he's saying, but I'd be mortified if he said it at childcare or in front of his nana. Yes. Well, they all test it at some time. (laughs) They try out the word. So we have to assume that this little one's more two and a half, if not three, to have that depth of language to repeat a word with that much clarity. (laughs) So uh, you're right. Generally speaking, we would say ignore it. Um, Do not respond to it in any way. 
and it probably started out of shock and then maybe someone laughed at him when he said it or tried to dispel it by being really casual about it. And so he's a bit confused whether he's having fun with you or whether it's wrong. So I think you're right in ignoring it generally. And the other approach, and this is not really a discipline, it's just saying we're not going to tolerate that, is when he uses it, don't say anything, but very calmly take him by the hand and sit him in the naughty corner and just give him a few minutes. So I, it's not the ranting, you're in trouble type thing. You're going to sit there and then get down on his level and say, we do not use that word in our house. And then just bring him back to play again. So this is sort of like a very, um, very cool way of not getting too worked up about it, but saying to him, not in this house. I, like, I also like what you say about there. It's, it's very clear. Yeah. There's no ambiguity. No. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying it's amb- amb- ambiguous to say it makes you sad, but there yeah. is definitely a clear line in the yeah. sand there, isn't there? Yeah. We don't do that. So, and it also yeah. takes confrontation out of it. Mm. I'm just going to, when you do that, I'm just going to sit you on this chair here. I'm going to give you two minutes. And then I'm going to say to you, okay, that's not the behaviour we want in this house. Mm. And sometimes if we can take the passion out of it, i.e. the temper and the temperament out of it, it's actually a much more effective way of getting them to know, oh, that wasn't the right the right response that I thought I was going to get if I used that behaviour. Okay. And look, finally, before we let you go, um, we have a question from Sarah. My son will be turning three in a few weeks' time. Suddenly he wants to argue about everything, especially clothes. Do you have any tips on how we can make how we can both survive this stage in his development? Okay, so I have this rule, don't argue about clothes. So there's so many big things you have to argue about in life. <laughs> yes. Clothes is not one of them. But say it's an occasion where you want him dressed, you know, coordinated. What I would do is as soon as he gets out of bed, take his pyjamas off and put his clothes on because then he doesn't argue about it. So the three-year-old argues usually when you're disrupting the play they're in. So they're playing and then you say, let's go and get dressed and they have this conniption fit about I don't want to move because I'm, I'm in this play moment or I'm in this moment, so I'm doing something else. So the trick if you really want him dressed, get him up, take his pyjamas off and put him in his clothes. The other th- trick to it is to take out the, the anxiety around it. So on day play days or daycare days, I would just have a drawer and let him choose anything out of that drawer that he wants to put on. But coincidentally, everything in that drawer matches. Do you know, you just answered a question I had because I have heard of people, their issue with the clothing is not so much matching it's as what? weather appropriate. Yeah, yeah. Yes, so just yeah. by not letting them, and then you're giving them agency and so they yeah. feel great about Look, what they're doing. I let this, I took, um, helped a family go to New York one day, I hope we've got a minute to tell this story, and along the trip, this baby undressed itself. It was about 18 <laughs> months old, undressed itself and would not put any clothes on. When we got to New York in the dead of winter, oh my it was cold. And he was not going to put clothes on and I was not going to argue with him in JFK airport. So we walked out the door, pretty much, walked back in, put the clothes on, no argument. <laughs> so sometimes this. you have to let him go a little bit for him to work it out. I understand the consequences. Chris, thank yeah. you so much for your That's time That's a pleasure. Today. That's Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue. She'll be back next week for a midday answering your questions. Kindling Helpline is brought to you by 136 National Home Doctor Service. If you or a loved one needs urgent medical care but your GP is closed, make the call to 136. That's 137425 for a bulk build after hours doctor home visit.
You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.